Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Entrepreneur Origins, we explore the intersection of real estate and how founders evolve. Today's guest is Renee Fauston, an experienced founder working in the facilities services industry. He's also the operations manager and lifestyle director for the Icon South Beach, a premier residential building in Miami Beach, as well as vice president of sales for Echo Aviation Leasing Services. Renee, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Renee. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Alex, for inviting me to, to the, this episode. Thank you so much, guys. It's a great honor to be here to share my, you know, my journey with you guys. So, Renee, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, to add on everything you, you had mentioned earlier, Jimmy, I was born and raised in Haiti. Uh, I moved here uh, 16 years ago. I was uh, about 19 uh, for, to seek for better opportunity and study. Uh, since then, I, I've never looked back. I, I call Miami home and um, I, I have two beautiful children. I enjoy spending time with them. I love to travel. And uh, in a few weeks, I'm turning 35 and uh, I, I've been very consistent in my fitness journey lately. <laughs> we'll have to unpack, unpack that. Well, you know, the pleasure to meet you, Renee. You know, I love this topic. You know, there are entrepreneurs pretty much in every corner of the globe, and evidence of the world's first entrepreneur dated back to 17,000 BC when there were the evidence of the first trade of goods and services. But, you know, but today, entrepreneurs and founders live and travel to places to start companies. And in some cases, locations prefer certain types of goods and services over others. You know, for example, you might not want to start a software company in Nepal or a dairy farm in downtown Phoenix. You might um, want to, you might not be able to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but founders are driven by opportunity and location can sometimes make the difference between success and failure. So I can't wait to unpack this topic with you and, and talk about your journey from Haiti to Miami and what got you started as an entrepreneur. My journey to, to Miami was a vision and ambition. Uh, I, and that become a reality. Like any entrepreneur, we, we always have big dream and big goal and often not enough resources to make it happen. Uh, I recall coming to Miami on uh, basically uh, for vacation and um and and i was basically lobbying my cousin that was under a student visa to to kind of walk me through the process of getting one and apply for school here and and right going back to haiti i i told my mom hey i got i got a school here in miami i need your help to uh to get me the visa to come here so that was basically my my you know it was a goal and 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 through the help of obviously my cousin and my mom, uh, we we made it happen. Well, education is so important, right? I don't know about 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 the you guys, but for me and my family, education was always hammered into us kids as to one thing that no one can take away from you is your education. You can lose everything. You can never lose your education. And I would imagine that that plays a significant role in wanting to, to do, do more, see more, go to more places, better your life, raise assets, et cetera, right? Exactly, exactly. 
Well, there was a quote uh, from from the the play Hamilton. Uh, you said, "You know, immigrants, we get the job done." <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a really a question, and uh, some we obviously debate that the America, for the most part, was built, um, you know, obviously in part by immigrants, right? And I, at least, I mean, obviously, there's there um, there are a lot of factors that come that, that come along with that, but the entrepreneur uh, spirit and drive that people brought to to come to the United States. Um, or come to America in that case to build something and grow something for themselves has always been a part of our our our, uh, our, our history and part and parcel part of the American dream. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, and you know, like like they always said, America is the land of opportunity. It's really the land of opportunity. Uh, you 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 come here with nothing. You you can make it happen uh, if you have the drive and the will. Well, I was reading an article once where I think Elon Musk, while he was in college, turned his dorm room or his apartment into a disco and he was able to generate revenue while where he was living and might even have been writing it off as a tax write-off. Um, you were a DJ and a party planner. It seems like entrepreneurs, it's not just the drive, it's also a, some, something about the vision. It's like where others don't notice, you see opportunity, you see a business, you see a challenge. It's just, it, there's something in the vision of an entrepreneur, I think. Uh, totally, totally. Uh, I think uh, for me personally, school was never first, second, third. Or it was probably the third on my priority list. Uh, the side hustle always went. It was always re uh, rewarding to start something and, and you know, go after it. And, uh, and it, for me, it was seeking the freedom to do anything that I wanted to do. And and not asking others uh that was probably one of the drive that i had in starting a business i think it's also important where where you are and 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 how easy or difficult the uh, the challenges are uh you know i, I coming from from li living in brazil and seeing how people they don't have electricity or it's hard to get credit or whatever you realize that there are opportunities that exist but also the tools there to allow you to go to to create something to take a vision and and create it out of nothing or to or to be able to start the process of producing a product that you think has a, a demand uh there needs to be some kind of an infrastructure in place whether it's an infrastructure to help the entrepreneur or an infrastructure to grow businesses in general or whether it's be being able to raise capital that must have been a, a a real opportunity to come to a place like miami where at least united states as alex was saying is founded on the entrepreneurial spirit the small business growing opportunities that that that, that we want to encourage here well you know what i'm gonna just gonna jump in there because i think to your point, there's there's a need for infrastructure, but there's also a need for just perception in law, right? I think today it's a lot different than it was 20, 30 years ago to start a business. And I mean, let's just say start a business, not from the legal sense, but just to be enterprising as opposed to just being a, an entrepreneur. And what I mean by that is like, just think about all the businesses that were common uh, when we were, we were younger, uh, like paper routes, Right, remember those uh, mowing lawns, checking coats, shovel, shoveling snow. You know, it was enterprising, um, and it was a way for you to make money as a kid. You know, you were eight years old out there, you know, with with dollars and and, and coins, uh, getting people to to get to to, to trust you with That's their true. lawns and all that stuff. It was kind of crazy, you know. And today, 
you know, we, we have this thing called the gig economy and, you know, where everyone seems to have or want a side hustle. And so there was a point in time where entrepreneurship came a lot of cases out of desperation uh, and um, lack of opportunity. And then in some cases now, I mean, sure that still exists, but there's also this alternative to work. People now have the flexibility to do things um, differently than they used to because the world has changed in a lot of ways and made it more, um, you, you can become more successful as an entrepreneur, but there's also risks associated with that. I mean, it's not like an easy road. You can't just wake up and say, I'm going to start a business and then just go do it, right? Um, yes. And one thing that uh, probably aside that many people do, do, doesn't really see is as an entrepreneur, you always have, you always carry a smile, whether the business is working or not, and and they never know when you're failing. So you you're the only one that know uh, about that aspect. Um, you know, me growing up in Haiti and moving here, I for me I took it as an advantage because uh, I was raised in a poor country where. Uh, things that I have here, it's, you know, basic necessity in Haiti, it's a luxury. Um, so for me moving here, I had to get my priorities straight. So I needed to do well. Um, I know what's it like, you know, um, doing homework with a candle next to me for light. Uh, I know what it's like, you know, walking 15 miles to go home because, you know, there's some type of unrest on the street and you can't really... Uh, you know, go home by car. So, so you know, all those pain back in the days really kind of fuel my energy to kind of say, you know, I come here, I want to do more. I want to, to you know, to do better. So that's, it's, it's kind of fuel my drive, I, honestly. I, and I, I totally hear you. I mean, I think, I think the, I feel like being an entrepreneur is both the greatest gift and the greatest curse in our society in a lot of ways, right? The greatest <laughs> gift, right? The greatest gift because you can create enormous wealth, pursue your dreams and passions. But it's also the greatest curse because you could lose everything. I mean, your house, yeah. your family. And a lot of the, you know, a lot of what you're saying resonates with me because sometimes you're an entrepreneur because you have nothing to lose, right? You just, yeah. it's, it's all upside. Uh, an old mentor once told me that the greatest superpower an entrepreneur has is that you're the first person to know that your business will fail, but the last person to believe it. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> that's exactly right um and, and it's different mindsets right i mean because a lot of times the entrepreneur the founder the visionary is the right person to bring the idea to fruition to solve a need say for apps on a phone for example but may not necessarily be the best person to run a company once it becomes bigger dealing with a personnel dealing with finances dealing with accounting dealing with sales and that's when you need people who are more professional managers than the visionary and that becomes always a bit of a a tug and a, and, and and a battle but Renee once you came to to Miami let's talk a little bit about what was the first company you founded and and what kind of challenges did that create uh, the first company I started um, legally, and uh, it was legally was my <laughs> <laughs> the one I'm able to talk about according to my lawyers. <laughs> it was it was my cleaning business, it was, uh, smart cleaning. So it was a janitorial company that I founded back in the days was while going to school, and uh, and I share a story that my school wrote about myself uh, about that that specific company. 
So, and, and the reason I started that company is because I was in a, in the niche of uh, hospitality. And uh, one of the, the men hired the men that I always get from my client is, you know, can I, can you refer me to, to someone to clean my apartment, to clean my window, you know, and that's how it comes alive, you know, to, to start that company. And it was, it was, it was exciting to do it. You know, so I think to, to the point that Jamie had mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes you, 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 the visionary, you need you need a practitioner, an operator. It was a great book called Built to Last, and they talked about this notion of time tellers and clock builders as great leaders. Time tellers are the ones that can point in the sky and look at the sun and then say to everybody, it's 12 o'clock. And everyone believes it. And then, then there's the clock builder. That's the one that actually can build and sit down and build actually a clock that 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 is a functional expertise that everyone follows. And sometimes in the life cycle of a business, you need one or the other. Usually in the beginning, you want the time teller, you know, the Richard Bransons that can point to a point in, in the future and or the Elon Musks. Um, but he's kind of a combination of both, actually. So and then you need someone that actually can build the machine. And so when you're starting a business and you're cleaning business, I mean, I'm sure that you probably didn't, I mean, you probably, you, you kind of learn on the job. You probably saw the opportunity and like, well, I'm going to, this is an opportunity and then I'm going to go learn how to do it really well. And then eventually you become a practitioner because, because I think depending on where you are in your life cycle, some would say, like, if you go to school, business school, they say 10 year rule. Right, you have to be in the business or the industry for at least ten years before you can go out and start your own practice. I, I feel like that's changed. I mean, I'm not sure if that's ever been a rule, but it sounds like for you, it's it's about opportunity first, and then figuring it out, <laughs> figuring it out later. And, and, and I think most of my business are, I have always been founded like that. You know, where you know I started business, I started getting my feet wet until. And and it's only when I started developing the business or working in the business I started you know developing the business because I never and I think that's that's that it, it's a good thing for you know entrepreneur you know where you know you don't have to have a perfect business plan to start working on it uh, and and I learn on the go and and this is the best experience you can get. Yeah, I think Alex used to have used to have an expression to something about that, like the yeah, perfection yeah, is the killer yeah, of. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah, perfection is the enemy of completion. Yeah, yeah, that's, totally. That's the line. So, there you go. So, there you go. Yeah, so I, I, I feel actually, the need, the need for speed. <laughs> wow, that's so, a, you know what? Yeah, the business application of Top Gun is, I mean, universal. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Um, so you know, I I volunteer my time and mentor with an organization called Endeavor, um, both in Miami and Detroit. And Endeavor is on a mission to build thriving entrepreneurial ecosystems in emerging and underserved markets around the world. And the reason why I think it's important because they identify, you know, what there's there's enormous amount of economic impact that an entrepreneur can make on the ground than an NGO um, or, or a government organization or a foundation that's investing in the community. So how do you invest in individuals and build from the ground up? And whether or not it is, once again, Detroit, uh, Miami, or I don't know, Madagascar, I mean, everywhere in the world, there's opportunities to be able to build business and build community and build an economic prosperity. For you, do you find 
um, that being uh, Haitian born in America, that you are um, helping and build your community uh, in, this, in the US? And are you doing things that are helping to, to build and support your Haitian um, communities uh, elsewhere? Um, yes, actually, you know, running a small business and it's only a few years ago, I felt that, you know, I had a big responsibility on my shoulder uh, when I started having staff. Um, three years ago, through acquisition, you know, I, 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 I grew my business from one to 12 employees. And uh, going to the business every day and seeing a mother, father, you know, that comes in and that working for you, young or old people that are part of your team, you can't afford to fail. Uh, you know, before, if it was only you, uh, you basically say, you know what, I can pull the plug at any time. But, you know, when you have 12 employees and you, you got to find, figure it out to, uh, you know, to grow that business, uh, you know, not only for you, but also to give each and every single individual part of that team opportunity. Um, one thing that, you know, basically give me I'm proud of is because you know when I started my uh, uh, my dry cleaning business with one employee and it's been you know five years into the business and I still have one guy that's still with me I say you know how can I motivate that guy to keep continue on coming here every day and give his best but also giving an opportunity so that he's not in the same place that he was five years ago. So, so as an entrepreneur, when, you know, I feel that my journey is, it, it, it's a battle. I think I'm great because of, you know, so much responsibility that I have at a, at a younger age. And it's, it's that struggle that you want to do. You want to do good. Uh, and you want to see your, your, your work translate to your team. Um, the same way the business is growing, you want your team to do well as, as well. There's a certain pride there, right? As an entrepreneur, I think there was a beautiful comment in that article about your, your, the company you started at, at the, when you were in university, which is about how, you know, sometimes you, you know, what do you do? You do a bit of everything, including getting on your hands and knees and doing the cleaning when you have to do the cleaning because it's your name on the door and there's a certain pride there. And obviously you have that pride that anything that you put your hands to or you put your name on, you want that to be high quality. And you can always tell when you're in a restaurant or in a business, when you're dealing with the owner or the founder, there's just a certain caring, a certain uh, real emotional connection to the product or to the business that you can feel that that person cares. And, uh, and I think you need to have that in order to be successful as an entrepreneur, otherwise, I don't think you have enough drive or enough uh, fortitude of character to to see it to see that kind of vision to fruition. Yeah, I always tell my team that we are in the people uh, business. You know, we 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 while we're selling a product, we 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 we're providing a service, but it's all how you make your customer feel to come back again to your door, and it's very important. And and. Um, not too long ago, I, I, you know, a, a few weeks ago, we, I traveled to Atlanta with my team where we went to a cleaning show and, and I made sure that, you know, uh, with my team, they stayed at one of the best hotel. The reason I did that is because I wanted to kind of translate the message to show them when you're paying for a service, 
you want to provide the best. You want the best in return. And it was kind of a, a, an experience that I wanted them to, to have and feel and to translate it to the business. Well, you know, look, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. But at the same time, there's also the bad times, right? There's also the bad days you have. As an entrepreneur. <laughs> I've always said, as an entrepreneur, you don't want to wish that on your worst enemy, right? I mean, because it's <laughs> like, th there are moments that are really, really tough. And I was watching last night this movie called Boiling Point, and it was about this uh, restaurateur and owner, and he had just one really bad day. And I was thinking to myself, and I was like, you know, you spend your entire career wanting to own a restaurant, you'd learn how to, you know, cook food, you'd learn how to manage a, the business, and then you spent 20 years to like work 24 hours a day, you know, 365 days a year, bust your ass. And that's, that's success. Like that's the goal. Right. I mean, and yeah. so I think about it, like, that's not really, like, that's not really cool. I don't want to, I, mean, I want to spend all the time just kind of hanging out, like you know, chilling 401k, maybe, maybe a pension or two. <laughs> and of course that's not a, how an entrepreneur thinks. I mean, it, it's gotta be this like, this constant masochistic kind of mindset, which says, I just want to get beat up. I want to get beat down, have some bad days and have, but have some great days and wake up in the morning and be positive and try to bring everyone along that journey with that works with me. Right. I mean, that's like, that's like pretty superhuman. Like a superhero. Like, I mean, it's like, superhero. It's cape. Pretty, he has a cape. I mean, exactly. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. And, you know, it's like everyone gets their knocks and some of us don't get up. Right. Yeah. You know, we, you know, yeah. we just don't, you know, I think today everyone's about this mental health bit and I'm like, really, I mean, I, I get it, you know, but like as an entrepreneur, as the owner of the business, your problems in your life <laughs> issues are huge. How do you, yeah. so how do you deal with that? Like, how do you deal with those bad days and how do you how do you tell some folks that may not necessarily be entrepreneurs what that feels like and make them say hey i want to start a business yeah but but you know the the funny thing is that you, you not everybody speak the same language with you as an entrepreneur so it's like you know you, you're talking to someone and you're talking to the wall because they don't, they're never going to get your feeling and experience in in what you're going through um as an entrepreneur myself, I feel, I, I think one thing I, I try to do lately is um, seeing where I, I came from, uh, what I have done, trying to appreciate the progress because as an entrepreneur, it's never enough. <laughs> it's never enough. It's that drive, you know, you, you, you did, you, you put that goal, you reach it. And then now you say, okay, what's next? So this is that drive. Uh, as an entrepreneur. So now it's like, you know, for me is um, trusting, trying to trust more of my team where I can kind of step back a little bit and be able to to think uh, about the future. Um, that's the point that I am in, but you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's a constant battle. 
<laughs> well, you definitely have to mark to market every once in a while, as they say on Wall Street, which is marked to at least recognize the successes and how far you've gotten. Because sometimes I'm sure between the vision and the reality, there's a long road. And sometimes you have to stop and look behind you and realize how much you've already created. Alex brought up, you, got, you brought up a great point about a giving back and, and helping Haiti and helping people around the world know more about Haiti. Renee, you do something like that with your coffee business. Tell us a little bit about your coffee business and how you're helping bring more visibility to the high quality coffee business in Haiti to people here in the United States? Um, coffee was my second venture actually here in the US and I probably almost lose my shirt on that. Uh, it was a great idea. You know, I wanted to help Haiti uh, bringing awareness about the Asian coffee. I started this uh, business with two, two, two friends of mine. Uh, um, one of them that was living in, in uh, Denver, Colorado and uh, one that was in Haiti. So the idea was really, uh, I don't know if you guys are aware, Haiti has a great coffee. And uh, back in the days, we used to be one of the biggest exporter of coffee. Uh, and and we basically lose that where, you know, the um, people in Haiti choose to to do crops that are easier to cultivate. So, so we started Cafe Panu, um, an online platform um, where you know we had different coffee from Haiti, where we were dealing with the supplier from Haiti, bringing the coffee here, and then uh, do the promotion A to Z, trying to to get shelf space for it. Um, obviously, you know, like any entrepreneur, you you excited about a business, you start big, and then when you start the business, uh, you know you 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 try you. You transition from business plan to reality, and uh, you know it's 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 not the case. So we we st we started the business, and um, and we 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 had a lot of struggle uh, uh, from the get go. Not only we took a warehouse that was too big for us, and uh, you know expenses right on the back was. These are the growing pains, Alex. You were talking <laughs> about. Yeah, you got to learn them. <laughs> well, I, you, know, you know, look. I mean, also coffee is hard. Right. I mean, I, you know, I know that there's a, you know, a lot of coffee in Puerto Rico as well. And just they can't get people to work in the fields. I mean, working in the coffee field, it sucks. It's hard. It's, it, it's it hot. Is. It's it like, is. you know, I mean, it, it, it's literally something that no one wants to do. And so you can't get it's hard to get people to actually do it. Right. I mean, there's some businesses that are hard for a reason. <laughs> yeah yeah no no it was it was but but honestly it was one of the greatest experience for me as an entrepreneur he not only made me tougher and uh and learned through the process because uh even we were struggling with with some aspect of the business but we i had a goal to uh to sell the coffee to walmart uh and and i made it happen it was a goal and doing business at that time back in the days doing business with walmart was a big deal people were you know uh, you know people were will kill to get a a, a contract with walmart you know they were the amazon that was amazon <laughs> well, back then. Well, they, were know, the big, actually, they were the big dog 
I mean, let's just talk about that for a minute, right? I mean, think about the fu- what's the future look like, you know? And, and to your point, Jamie, uh, you know, Renee, like the late '90s, you know, we saw Walmart change what it meant to have a store on Main Street, U.S. You know, in the early 2000s, to your point, Amazon changed what it meant to have an e-commerce store online. And today, we're seeing an expanding workforce that now can work anywhere um, and live anywhere, and it doesn't really matter where you are and what you make. Um, because you can, you could sell it, work anywhere. So, where are we heading? I mean, what, what does it look like now into the future? What does entrepreneurship look like? What does location mean to an entrepreneur? Where are we going? In this uh, digital world, you know, uh, with a computer and a, and and a cell phone, a- anything is possible. You know, every you 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 basically can can sell anything anywhere. Uh, but obviously we can see things are changing so fast. And um, since the pandemic, I I don't know if you guys realize, those big time retailers like uh, Walmart and Amazon have bet so much on warehouses to kind of shift everything online. And they were, people were betting that we were not going back to the supermarket. And it's not it's not a case. People want that feel, that experience of you know connecting with people. So uh, everybody's trying to figure it out. Nobody knows what really uh, holding the future. So we, we we have to see. And no matter how far technology takes us, there are certain aspects to running and building a business that you can't get around, right? I mean, I hear there's a lot of issues regarding staffing right now. People trying to find workers. There's a lot of issues regarding inflation and passing on the costs to the consumer. Where can you, where can't you? So it's almost like regardless of uh, how technology improves, there are certain basic costs, quote unquote, of doing business that are still going to be uh, obstacles to starting businesses no matter where you are, right? Yeah, no, I also think that you know some of the retailers got it right. Like when I look at places like Home Depot, Ikea, uh, even Costco and all of that, they, they got it right because they said, you know what, we're going to be part warehouse, part retail, right? And literally, you're walking with a shopping cart, shopping in a warehouse, literally. And, yeah. and, and, so, right? and so I think it's a, great, it's a great model because, you you know, on one hand, on one side of the aisle, you got a guy in the shopping cart. And the other side of the aisle, you got someone with a forklift or, or automated uh, computer driven. They, they definitely took the glamour away. You don't hear anybody going, oh, we're going over to Walmart, not dressed like that. You're not. <laughs> I mean, I mean so, so there's, there's a, there's a really interesting hybrid approach that I think, um, has been proven to work where you can have both retail and distribution center in the same location. And I think more, more, more companies, I think Amazon is getting is getting there because I think you know you're you're selling more stuff than just food and goods. You're selling you know a bunch of you know medicines and I think you know to some extent some extent Costco is already doing that. But I think there's a future there, and we're we're we were very much focused on the down market stuff, right? So uh, fast consumer good items, uh, lower price products. We have yet to see the Costco version for Gucci, yeah, for for, <laughs> yeah, for LVMH. So, but I'm, I'm sure it's coming. And I think that there's a really interesting way of being able to pull everything into one place to give people the experience that they need at the same time, the speed in which they deliver it, uh, and perhaps make everyone happy. 
Yeah, and, and it's all about the, the convenience too. So now mm-hmm. I think convenience is more important than anything. Uh, you see uh, people are shopping. Um, I, I don't know the last time I went to a supermarket. First of all, I don't have time. I usually do Instacart. Um, so basically it's it's easier. You, you, you get someone to shop for you and bring it to your home. Um, now in my business where we have uh, a pickup and delivery for the dry cleaning service, you know, we try to uh, to push it because it's it's you know my store is open for a limited time, and you know people want their clothes to their door. So it's it it, it, it the convenient part of it. It's people will pay for convenience, and that's what I see. That's the the driving market right now. I'll say. Right, service, right? Um, listen, Renee, just uh, as we wrap up, just really quick, we are in Florida. We should probably touch base on the fact that there's been a boom in population movement from other parts of the country to this part of the country over the past couple of years for a variety of reasons, COVID, taxes, politics, etc. Seems to be a drive by the politicians here to continue to build Miami as a hub, whether it's for tech or for crypto or for other businesses that are growing. Do you see uh, Miami or and Florida as continuing to be a place of uh, of opportunity for entrepreneurs to start businesses? Uh, totally, totally. And I and like you just said, Miami is booming. <laughs> That's the word. So so it's a good place to be right now, and it's a great time to start a business in Miami. Um, I myself, actually, in the dry cleaning industry, we're trying to. Uh, we're looking into buying two stores right now just to cope with the demand and then, um, you know, to grow. Um, we feel that, you know, everybody, everybody from different part of the country want to be in Miami. I just traveled to Spain. You say that you're from Miami. They said, oh, my God, can, can I switch place with you? So I think it's a great, uh, great place to be in right now. Well, that's terrific, Renee. We want to thank you very much for coming on and giving us a little bit of a window into the entrepreneurial spirit, what drives you and how you take ideas and turn them into successful companies. And we hope that you'll keep us posted and come back again and uh, give us more information on your journey as you take them, take on the new challenges ahead. Looking forward to hearing about your success. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you so much for, for giving me that opportunity. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.